Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, our reading from a little bit earlier in the worship service. Um, that's where we're going to be spending the beginning of this lesson. Um, at this point, I'm sure every time you see 1 Corinthians 13, you know it's coming. Um, one more of these qualities that we are going to talk about of love. Um, this morning, the quality that we're going to be discussing is listed uh, for us at the very beginning of verse 5, but we'll read beginning in verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant, in verse 5, or rude. Some translations say does not act unbecomingly. Um, might have something else other than one of those two, but typically you're going to have unbecomingly or rude, which uh, when looking up the definition of this word, uh, according to the Greek lexicon, uh, when you see unbecoming, it said something like this, to act unbecomingly, which is not, for me, a super helpful definition when I see the word unbecoming to say to act unbecomingly. So I dug a little deeper, um, and I found this, not having or showing concern or respect for the rights and feelings of other people. I felt like that was a little more helpful in understanding what it is to be to act unbecomingly or even to act rudely, to not show or concern or respect for the rights or feelings of other people. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is how love cannot be rude. Love cannot act unbecomingly. Uh, in this section, I've highlighted this I think every lesson, but in this section when Paul's discussing love, this love that he's talking about is not a self-serving love. It's not, I love myself and or I have pride in myself. It's this idea of choosing to love or to serve someone else. That's really the love that's being discussed here. So when you're thinking of love, sometimes I think like, I love my dog, right? That's not the kind of love we're talking about. Or I love my husband or my wife or my girlfriend or my boyfriend. That's not really a love we're talking about. This love is a service. It's a choice that you make. And that's the word here in this chapter. And so love, the kind of love being discussed here, chooses or is not rude. Right? Chooses not to be rude. Chooses not to uh, dismiss other people's feelings or rights. Right? Rudeness is kind of one of those things that I think all of us kind of have a little bit of a definition of in our own lives, depending on the context, right? In one scenario, something might be rude, while in another scenario, that exact same thing might be perfectly fine, right? Rudeness is kind of one of those things that the context dictates a lot, like social norms, cultural differences might dictate some rudeness, right? Some cultures, when you meet someone for the first time, or you meet up with a friend, right, you might shake their hand. Another culture, you might give them a kiss on the cheek, right? And to, to do or not do one of those things might be considered rude, right, if you miss out on that. So there's some of this rudeness is um, knowing your surroundings and knowing your context. Love says you're going to do your best not to be rude in those ways, and we're going to talk some more about that. But then there's also some ways that I think uh, are just true. There's just rudeness kind of across cultures in the way you might respond to someone, the way you might answer someone, the way you might act around someone or act to someone, uh, towards someone. And so in this lesson, I want us to understand that 
Rudeness is not a part of the love that we have as Christians. It's not. It's not some part of God's love, and so it's not some part of our love. We have to understand that. But the question is, what exactly does that mean for us? Um, That's the part of this question that I kind of scratch my head at sometimes and I struggle with. So I want us to look at what rudeness is, try to figure out that a little bit. Areas of our life where maybe rudeness tends to creep in or can exist. Um, And then how to overcome being rude. Those are kind of the three big things that I want to talk about this morning. Um, I, I gave you a definition as best as I could find it of rudeness. Like I said before, the lexicon just says to act unbecomingly. Um, if we understand that a Christian is to reflect Christ, right? We might say that was becoming or unbecoming of someone, right? To be unlike Christ, if I'm a Christian, that would be unbecoming, right? Uh, we might even think about it literally, like if I want to become Christ and I do something contrary to that, I am undoing that i'm unbecoming right i'm no longer becoming christ i'm undoing that and so to be rude is to be unbecoming to being like god right it undoes something about god it's not part of who he is but like i gave you before merriam webster says it's not showing not having or showing concern for the respect or respect for the the feelings or the rights of other people um Oh, some translations even say without form. I think that's another one. Love is not without form uh, or unformed. And so that's the idea of there, there is this shape, there is this intent, there is context to love here. And so this is what rudeness looks like, though, in our lives. In some situations, rudeness might look like complaining, right? Sometimes that's the rude thing to do. Sometimes rudeness looks like not respecting someone, someone else, right? That can be rude. Um, Sometimes rudeness looks like taking things for granted. You ever done that? And that was considered rude in its time and in its place. Ignoring social norms. That was kind of the example I mentioned earlier. Maybe not shaking a hand or not giving someone a kiss on the cheek or not saying hello can be rude, right? Or even the way you look at someone. Have you ever looked at someone the wrong way or had someone look at you in a funny way that you thought was rude? Just the way they looked at you? Or maybe the way that they gestured towards you or towards someone else you thought, man, that's rude, right? Rudeness can kind of come in all kinds of forms, right? Depending on where you are and who you're with and when it was done or when something wasn't done. But those are the ways rudeness kind of crops up in our life. It's one of those things that maybe sometimes is hard to put our finger on, but in the moment we can tell you if something was rude or not, right? Um, and so according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, love is not rude. So we have to figure out, all right, how do I do this? How do I avoid rudeness? Or how do I avoid acting unbecomingly? And so we got to pay attention to some of these these things. So I'm going to suggest to you the first way that I thought of that we tend to be rude or can be rude sometimes is in the way we talk, in our speech. Um, If you want to look at this verse real quick, I would suggest you look at James chapter 3, verse 2. I just want to pay attention to this verse for a moment just to give some credence to this idea because... Uh, 
speaking well, and I don't just mean like forming nice sentences and being a good speaker, but speaking in a way that is helpful and useful and right is not easy. James chapter 3 verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. You know, James is telling us it's not easy to control what you say. Um, in fact, if you're able to do that, you're probably in control of a lot of other things. Right? If you can control what you say, you've probably mastered the other parts of your body as well. Because the mouth is kind of that last thing. It's kind of that last territory, right? When we've conquered all of our other passions and our lusts, our mouth is usually the final frontier, right? And so James is telling us that this is really hard to do. And I think it's true when it comes to rudeness, right? I think rudeness is one of those things that, are, that comes from our mouth that can be hard to kind of overcome. Um, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, and these are really broad examples because I know everybody in this room has different contexts in their life, right? Different family situations, different cultural norms, different friends, different family, all that stuff. But I'm going to give you some broad examples. Uh, these are ways we can be rude in the way we talk. Example, your mom says she needs you to give her a ride and you say, fine. Right? We agreed to give her a ride, but did you know, the way you kind of, uh, you respond, she can be like, hey, watch it, right? That was rude. That wasn't considerate, right? Or what about this one? When a Christian brother makes a suggestion about a Bible class curriculum or structure, and you, downla- and you downplay their suggestion by saying, anyway, or, right? Or, obviously, we're not going to do that, so... Now, we think, whoa, who would do that, right? But we've seen stuff like that happen, like, anyway. That's rude, right? Not considering someone, as we said in Merriam-Webster, not considering someone's feelings or their rights can be rude. Um, And so that's just uh, two really broad and simple demonstrations of how we see kind of rudeness play out in our lives in our speech, in the things that we say, the things that other people say. Um, Have you ever found yourself struggling with that? You know, like, of course, in my mind, when I think of those examples, I don't think of me. I think of, like, my brother or, like, that one time I was in church and somebody did that, right? I don't think about myself. But, like, if we're honest about ourselves, you could probably highlight, at least on a general sense, like, This is probably something you've done before, right? Like, oh, I can remember responding to one of my parents that way. Or maybe I can remember responding to somebody I knew, whether it was a Christian, whether it wasn't, by kind of just dismissing their ideas, right? Um, And those are two ways that rudeness can crop up. And so we've probably all struggled with this, at least at some point or another, with being rude. Instead of being loving, we were rude. Um, And so... You might particularly struggle with this, you know. Uh, Maybe we don't struggle with this a lot, but maybe we struggle with it more when we're, like, tired. Or maybe when we're, like, feeling anxious about something. Maybe when we're hurting or, like, we're sick. Like, you tend to get more rude because you're already kind of on the edge, right? 
Um, maybe that's when we really struggle with rudeness. Maybe you have it tamed kind of in your day-to-day, but when you're really pushed to the edge, that's when the rudeness comes out, right? I would uh, suggest we turn to Luke 23 just to see an example of kind of how this wasn't given over, how love wasn't given over to rudeness in Jesus' example. Um, You know, Jesus was under kind of, we might say, the most dire of circumstances towards the end of his life, right? I mean, he knew death was around the corner. And it wasn't going to be like a quick and painless death, you know, where things are just over. It was going to be kind of this ordeal that was going to be drawn out and very public, right? And so in Luke chapter 23, when Jesus is kind of pushed to those edges that we tend to allow ourselves to be a little more rude in, when pain is happening and we're anxious and we're tired and we feel hurt, right? We tend to get a little more rude and we kind of write that off as okay, right? Like I've had a rough day. My friend didn't stick up for me. I don't feel so well, right? But look at what Jesus did. Luke 23, verse 3. And Pilate asked him, so Jesus is on trial here, are you the king of the Jews? Do you think Jesus could have had a rude response to that? Why do you think I'm here, you idiot? Right? Like, what is this? Why are you asking me a stupid question that you know the answer to? Right? But Jesus says this. You have said so. Jesus, there's no trace, I think, of rudeness in Jesus' response. But Jesus had all the normal excuses, right? He was on trial pretty much all night with the Jews, right? His own people kind of left him and left him to be kind of on his own during this trial. He could have made any excuse in his mind or even out loud to why he could have been snarky, we might call it, right? right here, but he wasn't. Look at Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. Pilate questioned him again, this is verse 4, saying, do you not answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so Pilate was amazed. Jesus' love here contained whatever temptation he had to be rude. I mean, if he was a man like me, maybe he felt that temptation uh, in this moment. You make no answer. Well, now's my chance to jump in and make you feel dumb for you know, giving me this opportunity. To defend myself here, I'm going to be rude. But Jesus makes, uh, takes no advantage of that opportunity. Again, in uh, Luke 23, at the end of the chapter... In verses uh, 28 through 31, it reads this. Luke 23, 28 through 31. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things, when the tree is green... What will happen when it is dry? You know, Jesus is past this trial. He's kind of on his way to the place where he's actually going to be killed. And he doesn't kind of respond to the people around him in rudeness. His love actually teaches them and informs them even when he's tired 
and when he's exhausted and when he knows he's going to die. Um, when he's in pain, he's already been beaten. He's already been scourged. But Jesus, because of his love, even on the way, instead of telling the people that are crying around him, you know, get over it. You don't even have it bad right now. You're not the one dying, right? He looks at them because he loves them and he teaches them and he says something that would actually be helpful to them. Um, despite whatever legitimate reasons he could have come up with to be mean or rude to them. That's what he says. And so again, we see Jesus' example of love pushes out opportunities to be rude, right? Because he loves them. Again, last example, you can just listen to this. John chapter 20, verse 26 and 27. Woman, behold your son. This is Jesus on the cross. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. He's hanging on the cross when he says this. He's dying. And instead of looking at his mom or looking at John uh, and, and saying something rude, right? Instead of saying, well, I'm not going to be here anymore because you guys let me down. Take care of her, right? I mean, we can come up with whatever we want him to say in this that would seem rude. He actually tells his mom, you have someone that's going to take care of you and you have someone to take care of. Right? He's looking out for other people because he loves them even as he's hanging on the cross. And I'm sure if you went through kind of just those last moments of Jesus' life and you went through the last few chapters from every gospel, you could probably find opportunities Jesus had to be rude, and he wasn't. Um, and so Jesus' love, like 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, the love that Jesus demonstrated gave no place to rudeness, despite him being tired or thirsty, or hurting, or anxious, right? He gave no place to those things. Um, Jesus really did a good job of practicing uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Um, In Colossians chapter 4, it reads this in verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Jesus' speech, I think we could say this throughout his whole life, seemed to always be seasoned with graciousness. Um, Even to the sinners and the people that had bad motives that came to him and tried to tempt him or tried to trick him. You know, he always had the right response, but I would argue that he always had a gracious response um, to any situation that he had to respond to, that he had to speak in. He always had some sort of gracious response. Now, I imagine we're thinking of scenarios where it seemed like Jesus was a little less gracious, maybe where he seemed a little more harsh and a little more direct. But I think if we understood um, kind of what was going on in the sense that Jesus did, how complete his understanding was, I think we would still see graciousness in even those responses. Um, And so instead of being rude, instead of casting out love for that moment and taking the chance to to say something rude. Jesus learned to put on kind of this verse in his life that he was going to be gracious and he was going to know how to answer every person. And so, you know, I would suggest to us that if we want to overcome rudeness, first we need to work on thinking about others and ourselves and the context of loving them and loving 
who they are and loving their rights or loving their feelings and trying to cast out rudeness that way. But ultimately what we have to do is look at verses like Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 and just say, you know what? If I'm going to practice something, if I need something to take away that's a little more tangible than just saying I need to love people, maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of my time. Let your speech always be gracious. Find a way in any conversation or in any response that you're going to give to to give a gracious response, to give a gracious answer. Now, grace comes in a lot of different forms, right? But grace certainly would cast out uh, rudeness because grace is a form of love, really. To offer someone grace is to offer someone love, right? And so do that seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Ultimately, uh, how did Jesus manage to overcome rudeness in his speech? Sure, he was loving. Sure, he learned to be gracious in his responses. But look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at these verses with me in 21 through 24. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now you return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. First of all, this section beginning in verse 21 and going to about verse 20. Three says, look at Jesus' example. And that's kind of what we did earlier when I said when he was hurting, he didn't uh, answer with rudeness. But look at his example. Look at how he suffered, but he didn't revile. Look at how threats were made against him, but he didn't threaten, right? Those would have been rude responses, we would say, in a way. I think you could qualify them as several things, and rude would have been one of them, right? Um... First of all, if we want to overcome rudeness in our lives, we have to mimic Jesus. That's all 1 Peter's saying. If you want to overcome sin in general, mimic Jesus. But specifically, if you want to overcome rudeness, mimic Jesus. But look at this part. Look at this key to how Jesus overcame any uh, sin or temptation, which would include rudeness. Uh, in verse um, 22... It says, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. I think what we learn from this is that when we feel tempted to not love someone or not love a group of people, and we want to, because of that, be rude, right? We want to be rude. There's a couple things at play here. One, we're not loving them like we should. We've talked about that. But perhaps we don't really trust God. You know? Like, isn't that kind of what it comes down to? Is like, if I'm going to be rude to someone, it's because I need to get them right now. Like, I don't trust that God can handle their situation, that God knows what's best for them. 
God knows what's best for me, but rather I'm going to take things into my own hands. And I'm not going to do what God said, which is love them, don't be rude. But in fact, I'm going to be rude, right? I haven't really in that moment entrusted myself to him who judges justly, right? I've trusted myself with he who judges with all kinds of errors, right? He who judges really unjustly in a lot of ways. And so I think Jesus shows us because he loved God first, he did trust God to take care of what needed to be taken care of. He wasn't rude. And ultimately, because he trusted God, he loved God, he loved other people, and he wasn't rude to them. And so ultimately, we could say it boils down to kind of that greatest command, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? We're kind of seeing that play out in Jesus' life. Because he loved God and trusted himself to him, he ended up loving others as well. And so for us, if we're going to overcome rudeness in the things that we say, in the way that we talk to people and we answer people, we have to love God and we have to love them. And that would involve us mimicking Jesus' example and entrusting ourselves to God. And that's the only way we're going to be able to like overcome the rudeness that we want to have sometimes. Um, the second way that I think um, we can practice casting out rudeness is when Colossians chapter 4, when we go back to what Jesus practiced there and having gracious speech, I think about what are some ways that I have gracious speech. And I'm, I feel like kind of an old soul saying this. Um, I feel kind of like old-fashioned saying this. But I think it's true. Uh, I think that ways that we can practice gracious speech is that we as Christians need to be used to saying things like this. Please and thank you. Right? Like those are just simple ways to show some graciousness in our speech that's are clearly not rude, right? Or maybe even things like pardon me or this one's a hard one for me, I love you, right? Like I don't like to say that a lot because it makes me feel weird. But like showing feelings is probably a good thing, right? <laughs> it shows I love other people, right? Saying things like this will help us prevent being rude if you actually have to say forgive me or I forgive you right these are just simple ways and I'm not saying like every sentence has to start with one of these phrases but if we get in the habit of saying things like that being gracious in the way that I think about you that I think about myself and I reflect that in my speech I'm going to be less tempted to say things that are rude right that are going to put me in positions to say things that are rude right Um, Because it reminds me of who I am and who God is and who you are. Uh, So in every situation, we need to be asking ourselves, what is the gracious or the loving thing to say here? Uh, Okay, so the other place, and we'll go more quickly for this one. This is kind of the last big point that I have. The other place that we tend to see rudeness or people acting unbecomingly um, is... One, we said speech, and now I would say like the way we act. That's two kind of broad ways to divide this up. But what I specifically mean by this is maybe our body language can seem rude, or maybe our gesturing, the way we kind of use ourselves, can seem rude, right? One really obvious example, right, is when you're driving down the road, how does someone want to convey rudeness to you? They're either going to like incessantly honk their horn at you, Right? Or they're going to flick you off. 
something like that, and you say, man, that was rude, right? So we know it when we see it, when people gesture or give body language that's rude, we know what that is, right? In every culture, they have ways of gesturing something to you that means something not so great, right? That's rudeness. That's not love. That's not the way that we've learned Christ, right? And so I would suggest to you that these are a few examples that could be rude. Not always, but can be rude. So we have to be careful of this stuff. When you gawk at something, that can be rude, right? Or maybe you uh, smirk in a certain scenario. That can be rude. Maybe you look at someone like this. You kind of furrow your brow and give them that judgment stare, right? That can be rude. Maybe you roll your eyes. Have you ever seen someone do that? That never comes across well. I don't think I've ever seen someone roll their eyes and someone not be, like, upset about it. Um, Of course, I mentioned flicking off. You know, there's all these hand gestures. But all of that is just body language that conveys not love, right, but that you're wasting my time. Or you're not worthy of something or other, or other, right? It's rudeness. More specific, when you ask your spouse to help in the kitchen and they furrow their brow at you for asking while they're doing something else, watching the game or they're reading, right? And they say, help me in the kitchen. You're, and you look at them like that, like, oh, you know. Or maybe in church, when someone asks you to help, uh, ask for your help, I mean. When someone asks for your help and you gawk at them thinking, you need help with this, right? Doesn't that kind of come across rude? Like, oh, I don't need help with that. It's kind of what you're implying, right? Or maybe you ask, you're ask, you asked to help a weaker brother, and when you're asked, you kind of sigh, right? You agree to help, but your body language is not conveying any kind of grace, right? It's not gracious. In fact, it's rude. We do stuff like that or we see that kind of stuff happen and we know it when we see it but we don't always understand that that's what it is, right? And so uh, look at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, and honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. But Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing, go. Sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. Jesus obviously didn't say anything rude to this guy because when you look at, uh, what verse was that? Verse 21, Jesus loved him, right? And so we could have gone to this and say, look, Jesus didn't say anything rude because he loved this guy. But I like it for this example about not gesturing or caring about a body language that would convey anything but love or you might say would be rude because I get this picture of Jesus is dealing with this guy in such a way that like you could tell by the way he looked at this guy he loved him right and that's a little bit of 
my opinion on this passage. It doesn't say that. But I just think it's interesting that Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said. I think we need to kind of have that mentality. Like when we're dealing with other people, we don't need to be rude in the things we say, of course, but we don't need to be rude in the way we carry ourselves in those conversations and in those interactions because we should be like Jesus. When we look at them, we feel love for them. And so love is not going to go, and love is not going to go, I can't believe you have to deal with that, right? You're such a mess. Or, why are you asking me that, right? Love looks like this account. Jesus responds. Um, So, Jesus, I think, shows us, if we go back to Colossians chapter 3, I think he shows us that he's practicing some of this stuff that he's trying to teach us to practice. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 12 reads, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Clearly, that's what Jesus was doing through his life, but in that account, even. And doing that leaves no place for being rude, right? Um, And uh, finally, what I want to say here is, if we want to, to overcome rudeness in our lives, which is something I personally struggle with, I get anxious or I get frustrated, and so then I say or do something that relates that frustration right or that shows someone i'm anxious about something or tired right if we want to overcome that we need to entrust ourselves to the lord understand that when you don't love someone it's really you don't trust that god knows what he's doing right and ultimately practice some of these verses in colossians put on love then that binds everything in perfect harmony Season your speech with graciousness, just like you would food with salt, right? Practice figuring out what is the gracious or loving way to respond, because ultimately, rudeness and love are like darkness and light. They can't work together. There's, it's not that like light is diminished but when love is diminished when there's rudeness. I think the Lord is saying that where there's rudeness, there is not love. Like They don't go hand in hand. So in that moment when you are rude, you are not loving. It's not that your love is a little, it's that you are not loving. And so ultimately, if God is love and he says that he, by example, is not rude, then love is not rude, right? And so that's the challenge for us. I know this was, for me at least, this was kind of a weird lesson because rudeness, like I don't I don't think about it a whole lot other than in the sense of like cultural manners, just be mindful of how people kind of interact with one another. It wasn't a right or wrong thing in my mind. Then I started working through this list, and it wasn't until like last week when I was looking ahead, I was like, oh man, I don't think I've ever thought about rudeness being an issue of like right or wrong. But it is. And so we all have to kind of work to figure out the ways in which maybe we struggle with that and get over it. I think most of us here are pretty good about not being rude, but I'm sure you're thinking of places in your life that maybe we don't see. And maybe you are a little rude. So work on that. Practice being gracious.
Practice considering the deeper issue. Do you really trust that God will deal justly? When you want to be rude, but you're kind and gracious, know that God will deal justly. Now, he doesn't, like, overlook that stuff. So I appreciate you guys listening uh, this morning. Hopefully this lesson has been helpful.